Hello, hello. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, how are you, Lucy? I'm not too bad. Bit, bit tired. Bit of the COVID fatigue, I think. Mm. As you can tell, yeah. I've like completely downgraded my <laughs> self worth. The working from home attire in the onesie is just like in full swing and I have no shame. No, but yours is quite nice. Mine's is like absolutely ratty. So No, do you know what it is? Is I just got this it's one for Christmas. End. It is high yeah. end. I, I got it from yeah, that BBC money, uh, BBC Hope's web. Um, she got me it. But I'm wearing, well, first of all, actually, I'm wearing a full outfit under it. So I look like huge. But I also... <laughs> I also put this onesie on because I was like, oh wait, I really need to cover my jumper. Well, what's your jumper? <laughs> oh, it's mine! <laughs> Lucy, I fucking thought I lost that. You left it in my flat, You're so... Absolutely... <laughs> Sorry. Where did I leave... Why did I do Why did I leave my jumper there? I don't know, because I... your birthday? No, no, it was the last time you were here. Um... Why did I do that? I don't know because I, I went. Need to get your paws on it. I, I literally went over to I went to Lee's room and I was like, "Is this yours? Like, or is this like Matthew's boyfriend?" And they were like, "No." And I was like, "I like I swear it's Kika's, but I have no idea why it would yeah. be here." And then I was like, "Oh well, it's mine." <laughs> that's so funny though. I thought I lost it because I did a massive clear out of my room, and I was like, "Oh, that's a shame. I really like that jumper." No, you just had it. It's just well, that's fine. Better home. Enjoy it. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I still have your L mug that I use every single morning. So I was about to say you can actually because literally you steal all my stuff all the time. So anyway, not all of your stuff. Anyway, anyway, but getting beside the point. Anyway, Lucy, have I got a story for you today? Apparently, you do. <laughs> um, have you have you seen Have you seen the serpent? I haven't. I was going to watch it. So spoiler. That's what we're doing this episode on. Yeah. Um, I was going to watch the new BBC series Serpent that we are basing today's episode off. But I thought mm-hmm. better better an episode if you tell me everything about it. True. Then you won't have any like preconceived ideas because what exactly. I find really interesting is like when I was researching it, I kind of thought I had the story already in my head because I've watched it and would recommend it. It's so, so good. But it's quite they've dramatized it quite a lot and they've also focused on like one little chapter and there's actually a lot more that happened before and after so it's been really interesting and I'm excited to tell you all about it I'm excited to hear it (laughs) you don't say (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to hear it (laughs) (laughs) well just got a bit of a glum face be grateful (laughs) okay well let me just get right into it shall I go for it okay so um basically the story is based upon this serial killer called Charles Sobraj who was nicknamed the serpent or also the bikini killer um and he was like widely considered a psychopath um and killed over at least 12 people um in the seven 1970s in like southeast asia but um, he was like so infamous I suppose because he was um, one of those criminals or psychopaths that was like super charming super 
he got people under his like wing and almost like coerced and manipulated them into doing his bidding and he also managed to like win over people in places of power so for example the Thai police which meant that he was like and he stopped saying like he was granted permissions and um, like luxuries because of his sweet talk basically so it let it got him out of like a lot of sticky situations and at one point in the 70s he was the most wanted man from the interpol which oh. i learned was a thing i didn't know this was a thing interpol interpol is in like all the spy films yeah well i obviously don't watch any enough of them to know that because i love this is a new fact to me yes <laughs> i in- thought it was um I thought oh. he, Interpol was the guy that used to come into my work. Was Paul from Interpol. <laughs> Shout out. Wait, what? What do you mean? Remember, remember I used to tell you this? Because apparently, like, I didn't recognise him, but he's quite a famous American singer. Oh, and okay. anyway, that's a total side story. We don't know. We can cut that bit out because it's really not interesting. <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, no, I do. But what Very do you mean niche. you thought... What do you mean he thought he was Interpol? Well, he's... Because that's what it's spelt like, like I-N-T-E-R-P-O-L. So uh, my reaction was like, oh yeah, Paul from Interpol. Interpol. When I was thinking <laughs> about this, and I was, then I was like, no, not the same thing. Do you think anyway, he, Do you think people called Paul in Interpol just automatically get like promotions? They get t- treated quite well there, probably. Well, yeah, clues in the name. Yeah. Clues They're in like, the name. They're like, you're right? no glassing no for you. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's like a wee overview. Okay. Um, but I think like any story, it's best to start at the beginning and we can chronologically work work our way through the crime. Absolutely. Um, so let me tell you about his early life because he was a child born in 1944 in Ho Chi Minh, which was at the time called Saigon. It was under French occupation. Um, And he was the child of a swift love affair between an Indian businessman and one of his Vietnamese shop assistants. So he was born and the dad, he never knew his dad who left kind of like straight away. I don't even know if they were like ever formally together. Um, So he was was raised by his mother in his early life as a um, like two person family. But then when he was, I think it was like four years old, she married an occupying French soldier who was across for the occupation when the in independence war. But he was suffering so badly from PTSD that they then returned to France. And he had kids from a previous marriage. So it was Charles and then I think two others or three others, but it's all quite not very well documented. Oh. Um, so he turned into a little croissant. Un petit croissant. I am un petit croissant, please. <laughs> and he, yeah, he, so he lived in Paris, um, which you would think would be quite pleasant, but um, <laughs> you would. I would. I would enjoy that, but he didn't. He was okay. apparently a very, very um, unpleasant child. He never took to his stepfather, um, and always like used to say that he was neglected in favour of his own children. Um, mm. And they also, like his mum and his stepdad also had children. So he was one of many and he just like always used to complain that he was left out. So he actually ran away and stowed onto a ship heading to Africa, which is very niche, imagine. 
Yeah, there's a I difference between like, well, running away and getting on a ship to Africa. That's two <laughs> two different ball games here. And also, Paris isn't like it's not near the sea, so like he had to get to a port to get on a ship. Yeah, my geography so fails me there, that, but you're like, right. <laughs> it's not a coastal city, so I don't really know how he managed to do that. But he was caught and brought back. Um, so that was his first, I guess, like bust up. But then he just was apparently irresistibly drawn to crime, like muggings, car theft. Um, <laughs> this is a direct quote, holding up housewives for the gun. <laughs> well, we've all done it. Don't really know what that means. Yeah, well, <laughs> I haven't, but okay. <laughs> um, so he spent most of his adolescence in Paris in and out of young offender facilities and then actually in prison. His first proper jail sentence was for burglary and that was in 1963 so he was serving time um, in a prison in Paris but do you remember how he was saying he was like really good at manipulation and he basically made the prison officials grant him special favours so he got like books in his cell like special visitors and stuff like that so from here like I think you can kind of discern that he is quite successful in what he does and he's like a master manipulator mm. and finds it really easy to charm people. And one of those was a man named Felix Descogne or something like that. Don't really know how you pronounce it, but he... <laughs> Enter <laughs> he the British white this, girl. Here she is. I don't really know. This, this all sounds really sketch to me. But basically, he endeared himself to this guy who was a wealthy young businessman but also a volunteer at the prison so when um Charles was like paroled from prison he made this Felix guy like take him under his wing and like live with him so he moved in with him and basically became this like high-flying like um what's the word socialite in Paris okay yeah yeah but also so it was basically like Paris's version of Gossip Girl, but then also was a criminal still and like kept committing crimes. <laughs> like Charles on the Met steps. <laughs> I love how like the really serious telling of this case, you know, like, yeah, so it's like kind of like Paris's version of Gossip Girl. So basically <laughs> Okay, no, I'm, now I'm following like, you. Now I'm following you, now that you've made that reference. I've okay, got to yeah, make yeah, it yeah. relevant to today's pop culture, right? So it's anyway. <laughs> To the kids. He's like basically just consistently committing burglaries. He scams people out of money. He um, does a lot of car stealing, car theft, but nothing like nothing awful. It's just it's almost like petty crime. But he's right. known within Paris and he keeps kind of getting arrested, but then kind of getting away with it or spends like a few months here and there in prison. Mm-hmm. And during all this time, he meets this woman called Chantelle Compagnon, who is a young, rich Parisian woman from a very conservative family. So Charles, I mean, it's unclear whether he actually ever did love her or if he was just like pretending to love her because he's mm-hmm. a psych- like, can psychopaths fall in love? I guess that's a question we can address. But he promised her that he was a reformed character. He was going to do good for him. For them and proposed to her she says yes and that later that day he's arrested or no later the day after they get married he's arrested for evading police while driving a stolen vehicle 
So he sentenced it. That is quite We all have a bad boy. I know, it's a bit... (laughs) Did I mean it just adds a little bit of flair on your wedding day? It's quite dramatic. Imagine <laughs> the police pull up on Wendy. You're like, ah, it'd be fun. You're like, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> surprise. It's the entertainment for the night. I know. So she he's then taken to prison for another eight months. And Chantal or Chantel, I don't know how you say it, um, was apparently really supportive and was like, nah, this was what he did before we got married, so it's absolutely fine. Like don't need to worry he, he wow. loves me whatever um so blah 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 then he gets out of prison and like that's in 1970 okay so that's a key date okay it's 1970 he has committed like tons of previous crimes about car theft it's all coming to surface he realizes like fuck i'm gonna get imprisoned for a long time yeah. so he flees to asia with his wife right. to escape this police investigation on their way and like yeah so on their way to india she becomes pregnant and they travel through eastern europe with fake documents and they begin to rob tourists who they befriend along the way so she's so they're making like this pilgrimage to india and they're going through eastern europe on the way robbing people just like of their travelers checks so i don't know if you know but back in the day you wouldn't have um like loads of money or cards you used to have these travelers checks that you would take to post office or bars or hostels and they would you would exchange them for local currency it's like oh. when my mom and dad traveled around the world that's what they had and it was a safer way of traveling so you wouldn't lose all your money and also because every country was really different in terms of currency so anyway okay. that's what pe- travelers did and then they would check them in so these um so, so Charles and Sean, Chantel would take the traveller's checks and people's passports and then go into hostels and pretend. May I add? Them. You may For her add. to go from, girl, that's what you did before our marriage. You, I am going to stick by you and that's fine. And when you get mm-hmm. out of jail, that's a clean start. And then she's like, listen, let's become a partnership. Let's do this together. <laughs> like, where's the consistency? I um, know. I know because I remember she's like a rich Parisian girl from. Yeah, she doesn't need to be doing this. But this is what I'm wondering. Like, maybe that was the whole allure of it. Like, maybe she was sick of them stiff upper lip and was like, nah, I'm I'm out of here. True. Like, like anyone who is extremely middle class, privileged, and conservative family, the best next thing to do when you've done it all, when you can buy everything, is get the criminal boyfriend. That's (laughs) my next step. Um, but yeah, no, I think maybe it is maybe it is about that. And also, to be fair, if you're madly in love with someone and they're like, listen, this is what I'm going to do because I need to boost, you're going to be like, all right. Yeah, and I think she was like, enthralled, like obsessed with him. Like, I think yeah. this is a theme that we'll, that we'll see throughout. Like, the women that he, the weds, are like his slaves almost. Like, they're that devoted to him. And it's almost like he brainwashes them into believing that what he's doing is like actually for their greater good right okay but it is a big 180 for our girl Chantel um mm. yeah I don't know consistent, if, but, you know if Tom turns around like I'm just gonna go rob a few banks dumping him or going with him listen I want a new car so uh <laughs> <laughs> no 
<laughs> actually have a fine car but um hmm, difficult difficult situation I guess that is one of those things of like you know if you love someone and they are gonna say like oh this is what I'm gonna do now what do you do you know what Chantelle yeah, I'm sorry like, I judge I suppose- you. <laughs> <laughs> even if you're not like an actual accomplice in the crime just knowing that they've done it and not saying anything is like you're already committing a crime yeah. oh yeah totally so I think you're perverting the cause of like, justice yeah so I think maybe people were like well I've already fucked it by not if you don't say anything the first time you know, Do you know and that's true that is true because you kind of you're in it then um yeah we were we were watching the other night we started watching this film I don't know if you've seen it. it's called the place beyond the pines it's got no but I've heard of it yeah so we started watching it it's very very long mm. but um so only watched like half of it but basically Ryan Gosling um mm-hmm. his character not Ryan Gosling but Ryan Gosling's character um starts robbing banks and just like it sounds so dumb saying this because like <clears throat> I could not pull this off but I was watching it and I was like this doesn't look that hard like it's the way that they do it the way that they did it in the film um, if you're going to rob banks, don't listen to this. We're not giving hints. But also, <laughs> he would get on a motorbike. So he was on this motorbike. He would go mm. to the bank, get the money, be like, get down and all that, whatever. And then yeah. get the money, put it in the bag. And essentially, this this is why I was like, this is smart as fuck. He would get back on the motorbike with the money bag, whatever, flee. And he had his friend had a massive, like, um, box truck. Like, you know, like a just like a lorry that you can open the back yeah. of. He would ride his motorbike into the back of the truck. The guy would shut the thing down and then they would then they would leave because obviously the police are looking for a black motorbike. And I was like, yeah. all right, well, I know what I'm doing Tuesday. That's perfect. It's so interesting you say that because me and my mum were watching The Serpent and she kept saying, like, he makes it look so easy. And I was like, well, to be fair, like, is it actually that hard to make someone trust you and then just mug them? Like, Do you know what? I think, I bet, like, half of it is just gumption. I bet half of it is just committing to it. Like, yeah, not sure. freaking out. And Yeah, and also, um, I think when you're travelling, like, you are more... Maybe it's an overgeneralisation, but you're more trusting of people that you... that are like in the same position as you like when mm. you are in a hostel you just kind of assume that everyone there is like sound and nice and like there for a good time and then you wouldn't really have your guard up that much like it would yeah. be so easy to get pickpocketed that's true so and also I get, probably, it. I get it also probably I mean maybe this is something that you can get into or whatever but I feel like as well mm. especially in the 70s if you're in India and you see, so he's, he was obviously, he was born in Saigon. And like, yeah. he probably had better luck with manipulating and getting people to trust him in Asia than he did in France, because it's probably that like, you know, that really bad generalization that people tend to make of like, well, at least back then as well, especially, you know, the innate thing of, okay, well, they look like me so I can trust them. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like- and I think. Can I just clarify? I'm not racist. Like that sounds like that's <laughs> no, like. But it sounds like I'm about to go on a tangent, being like, you know, like if I saw a white person, that's the only person I would trust. <laughs> not where I'm going. Um, but you know what I mean. In the seventies, like that's kind of. I'm sure that would have been the mentality. Yeah. Well, so he was um, half Vietnamese and half French. Mm. So 
No, he wasn't. He was half. He he looks Asian. Um, yeah. He was Asian because that's why he looks Asian. But he, <laughs> <laughs> his yep. dad was Indian and his mum was Vietnamese. But um, should we name so this episode? He... Watch two white girls dig themselves into a hole. Trying to, <laughs> 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 Trying to explain ethnicity. So, yeah, like <laughs> shut. I know. Basically, he was he looked Asian. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. And what you were trying to say. I don't know why we had to take 10 minutes to explain that. Well, let's continue on. Moving <laughs> uh... <laughs> on with the show. <laughs> um, where were we? Yes, yeah, so they're going on this mugging spree, basically to get themselves to India. Mm-hmm. When they arrive in Mumbai, they, well, not they, she, Chantelle, gives birth to a baby girl who was called Asha, or Usha. Um... And in the meantime, they have a little apartment and Charles continues robbing cars and smuggling like arms and drugs and gems. So they do this for three years. Like, so like no job. This is what he's doing for no. me. And mm. there's really not a lot about what Chantel was doing, but I think basically nothing. Like shopping. He wasn't involved. <laughs> Having a good time with that money. But I don't think they lived a very, like, it was never, they weren't rich at any right. point. Like, they were living, or so so we are allowed to believe. Like, I don't know his bank statements, but I think it was very <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. To paycheck like um, <laughs> Bank rob after bank rob. Yeah, you know, those zero-hour contracts are really fucking him up. But Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they do this for three years, and Charles is arrested multiple times throughout that. Um, but he is so good at evading the police and always like plans ahead for these things. So he has like tons of different passports. So he'll just change his identity if he knows he's a suspect and things like that. Um, when he was uh, actually put in prison, he faked an illness. Um, so was then like taken to hospital and drugged the prison guard. So I have no idea how he managed to do that. But basically, he pretended to have appendicitis and then somehow managed to... I don't know whether he smuggled the drugs in with him or he, like, attain, obtained them. I don't, I don't how know. How dare he? That is a really serious ailment. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Maybe he was just, like, doing his bit to normalise the illness. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. So for people that don't know, Lucy almost died. No, I'm joking. She did almost die. <laughs> she actually All did. All right. So. All right. Had appendicitis. Got my appendix so, out. I'll leave it at that. Stop crying about it, maybe? <laughs> it was years ago. <laughs> um, so he escapes prison. 1973 he is feeding another arrest another arrest so he flees to iran and he leaves his family behind so his wife and his child are still in india i know i know all right um so at this point at this absolute this is like the straw that breaks the camel's back i mean to be fair chantelle's had enough so she goes back to france (laughs) um she's like i'm done i'm over that's it charles She said, like, "I told you so many times, Charles. <laughs> I don't like it when you rob when you rob people." 
Charles, I told you so many times, if you get arrested one more time, it's it. I'm taking the kids and I'm fucking off back to France. Why, why has she got that accent? If she's from... <laughs> she's like, Charles, stop doing it. I don't like it. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't seen the BBC drama, don't worry, we'll recreate it right now. Charles, <laughs> that's it. I've literally had it up to you. I'm done, right? No, it's enough. I'm taking the kid and I'm gone. Giving you so many chances. <laughs> giving you so many chances. I just keep throwing them in my face. You keep mugging me <laughs> off. She's like, Charles, can I just grab you for a chat? <laughs> cut to cut to like um cut to like a piece of camera of her being like, on paper, I thought Charles was like my type, but really he's just a mugging, manipulating, thieving cat. <laughs> And, and the fact is, I'm going back to Paris. He can do whatever it like. Best wishes. I'm done. Like, what my mum keeps telling me is like, I deserve better than this. And like, it's just not good enough. <laughs> I think I need to go back to Paris, have a night out of the town with the girls, get a few drinks in, maybe find some nice man and just forget all about him. I'm done. <laughs> right. Actually, stop. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what happened to be quite honest with you yeah I think so <laughs> so anyway she's she's out the story she's gone bye Chantel bye. you're done <laughs> you're done bye <laughs> and he <laughs> he goes um spends the next two years on the run as if he hasn't been on the run his whole life but you know what whatever <laughs> and he uses as many as 10 different identities and within these two years just like going between countries doing what he's what he does best um, and he gets through like eastern europe and the middle east and is joined by his younger half-brother andre in istanbul now mm. it gets kind of juicy yeah. here um, they quickly become partners in crime but remember he like hated his family so i'm i'm wondering like what he did to charm over his brother but i guess mm. we'll never know um, and they participate in like various criminal activities between Turkey and Greece. Um, and then they're eventually arrested in Athens, right? But because Charles is such a wanted man by Greece and Turkey, because, and like m- many other countries, um, he convinces his half brother to switch identities with him. So he escapes. Charles, I don't know, like, like he pretended to be. Charles pretends to be Andre. Andre pretends to be Charles. But why would you ever say yes to that? Because I Charles am, then escapes. I am no lawyer, but that does not seem like a good deal. <laughs> like, no. That sounds good. I have no idea. I think he managed to convince his brother that like, it would all be fine and that there would be no um, consequences. But like, how thick do you need to be to realize that actually that's not quite the case no because he was turned into the priest so andre andre who was pretending to be charles Mm -hmm. was arrested held in prison served an 18-year sentence and was like so so badly tortured because they obviously realized that they'd done an identity swap Oh, so he's, he God. served an 18-year sentence. And Charles just, like, scoots off bah. to Thailand. And he's like, bye, Andre. Thanks for, thanks for everything. Thanks, bye. See you later. Ooh, text me, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> Four. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. So, just like you know, that is like literally just the run up to like his actual crimes. Fucking hell. So this guy, this guy is is kind of whack. <laughs> he is kind of whack. whack. I've not said that in a while. <laughs> he is kind of quirky. Um, <laughs> so, the murders begin, Lucy. He's mm. in Thailand. Okay, he's financing his lifestyle by posing either as a gem salesman or a drug dealer, and he's impressing like tourists who he then robs. So it's a similar narrative to before at this point. Okay, mm-hmm. he has a bit of a following. He gets like befriends people and gains their loyalty. On but he only ever <laughs> he's an influencer. He's like <laughs> guys, I've got so this point. He's an influencer. He has a bit of a following on Instagram. He has a bit of a bit of he's a like, <laughs> He's like, say Sabraj for 10% off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's got, he keeps people very close to him and it's very, very private, but he always has like one or two handymen, essentially. Um, so there's one example of this French man called Dominique. He's in the series um, and he appeared to be suffering from dysentery, but actually Charles had just poisoned him. So he thought he was really, really, really ill. And Charles takes him into his apartment and is like giving him this like medicine, but it's actually just poison to keep him yeah. really, really ill. And in the meantime, takes his passport um, and basically keeps him imprisoned in this apartment. Um, uh-huh. And he Dominic Dominic thinks he's Dominique. Sorry, thinks he's dying. Um, and then he eventually, I don't know if this happened in real life, but in the series, basically he's taking because he thinks that, like um, Charles is like this hero that's like saving him. He thinks he's like this philanthropic guy. He's taking this. Um, hang on, two seconds. I'm just going to grab my charger for my phone. Okay, no worries. Hang on. Actually, this is a good time a little break in the story to talk about our first ever sponsor i don't know if she what was that was oh <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I was like um yeah dead talk has its first ever sponsor for the episode so this episode is i don't know where kika's gone oh there you are um i'm here <laughs> the sponsor for this episode is wax melts and felts it's so exciting i'm so so excited and honoured that they are um, working with us and we're working with them mm-hmm. to help sponsor the episode. So basically, Max Welts, Max Welts, <laughs> Wax Melts, <laughs> not Max Welts. I don't know who that is, but um, so like Wax Melts. I know, Max Wells. Um, <laughs> no, Wax Melts and Felts is a independent business uh we all love supporting independent businesses and they mm-hmm. make amazing um wax burners and wax melts so i actually ordered a wax burner from them it's like in the shape of a little cauldron and it's going to be coming soon i'm very excited um, and they, they do so many different scents and like so many different mm-hmm. um like shapes as well they do a little you're gonna cry they've done little pusheen shaped wax melts <gasps> I love Pusheen. I know it's literally. Oh so my god, cool. I need one. I need one. But we'll put um we'll put on the screen just now the help from Kelvin from State of Mind. Hopefully he'll help us out. Imagine if I say this and he just doesn't do it. He's like fuck <laughs> off, Lucy. Um, but we'll He's put like, on the screen no. their 
no I don't want to uh, put on the screen their Instagram and their Etsy you can go on and mm-hmm. buy some of their wax melts I know that like everybody I know absolutely adores wax melts so basically if you're in the market for one go there and you can actually get 10% off with ah, I can't believe we have a code <laughs> I feel so bougie I know um but yeah you can get 10% off your order if you use the code deadtalk10 um at the end when you check out so basically just it's a great place to buy wax melts if you're in the business of them and check out their other um other things like wax melt burners and such but yeah mm-hmm. oh how exciting dead talk 10 so exciting. and so nice to work with like small businesses um absolutely throughout the pandemic so i know love that exactly. for us. They... love that for everyone it's a win-win I know they're shouting us out they're helping us for the podcast um mm-hmm. and at least you know if you're going onto their website or their Etsy and buying some things you're getting 10% off anyway and you're supporting somebody's mm-hmm. business so it's a win-win exactly anyway well that's so exciting I know yes so um where were we in this story I was telling you about Dominique so he yes. is basically getting poisoned um but it's like so under the impression that he's being saved by this medicine so he's like making it himself every morning he lives in the apartment with charles and one day they have a pet monkey because they're living in thailand right so they have this pet monkey and it drinks the medicine and then dies on the floor so he's like what the fuck um and stops taking the medicine and then realizes what's happened oh my god um, but he escapes because of his neighbor because of Charles's neighbor who helps him but I'll get into all of that but basically that's kind of like um he was one of the lucky ones because usually people would just be then drugged and then killed straight away but he was using Dominique as basically a slave to keep his apartment clean to help him on jobs to keep an eye on everything basically to supervise where they were staying oh and make sure there was no unwanted yeah but he was kind of not aware that he was doing this um, right. but it's it's yeah, it's really mad. And if you are watching it on the series, then you'll see what I mean. Like, it's so crazy how he's manipulated and it's really scary. Like, the whole way you're just like biting your nails to the bottom because you're like, I just, you just want him to escape. Oh my God. And I'm he does. Watch this. So that's a good. Yeah, no, you'll really like it. Um, But anyway, so there is one of his um kind of um confidants, I would, you could say. And um, he also had a man named AJ Chowd. Chowdhury, who was another criminal. Um, and you never really find out how they knew each other before, but I think they'd crossed paths in his earlier criminal life and he comes to Thailand to be his right-hand man, basically. So he assists him in all the killings. He's like equally complicit, although he's not the mastermind behind everything, if you see okay. what I mean. Yeah. So he has those two men and he also has this woman, Marie-Andre Leclerc who in this series is called Monique um, and pretends to be Monique um, and she's played by oh what's her name I always forget yeah. her name super pretty she's gorgeous though she yeah. is so fit um, and she's so good in it I think anyway but she yeah so she's Monique that's his um girlfriend who he's gonna marry and she's completely under his spell and mm. um, she's from Quebec she's French um 
originally a tourist just looking for adventure, but falls in love quickly with Shabaj, um, becomes his most devoted follower, um, turns a blind eye to his crimes, and this is a direct quote, philandering with local women. <laughs> hmm. Which means shagging, if you didn't know. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so that's kind of their situation. They live in this apartment um, with a communal pool and they commit their first known murder, as in Charles and AJ, in 1975. So who knows if they'd killed somebody before this, but this is the first documented one. Okay. So he through this massive big party um, and this woman Teresa Knowlton who's American um, was found drowned in a tidal pool in the Gulf of Thailand wearing a flowered bikini oh. it was months months later after she was because people people basically uh, are um, fishermen I forgot the word for fishermen there I was like <laughs> what is that word a fisherman found mm. her body in the water like the day or so after she'd died she'd been drowned but they uh, the Thai police just assumed that she was just another uh, western traveler who'd taken too many drugs because remember the 70s was like quite oh, a god yeah experimental time with drugs so a lot of <laughs> a lot of travelers that went to Thailand India did the the trail were doing it to not for the sole purpose of but we're experimenting with a lot of drugs so we're often almost like not taken seriously or just assumed that that's what happened. And that's exactly okay. what happened with Teresa. And mm. um, they thought that she'd just like overdosed basically and gone for a swim and, and died. Um, and so then what, they just left her body? Well, they found her, the fisherman found her body and took it to the police. And they just, the police assumed that she was just, she just died, as I said. So right. they just buried her in an unmarked grave. And it was only months and months later that, yeah, that they were, which she was dug up as an, as to have a proper autopsy when oh. they started to realise that there was something amiss. So she was their first known victim. And she was actually, it's really sad because she was actually on her way to a Buddhist monastery to become a nun and to um, find enlightenment. And she was a very, oh. very smart woman and... Um, yeah, and like also you've got to remember, like at this time, there's no like social media or access. So people contacted their families by writing letters or only phoning home, like very, very Yeah. Occasionally. So the families were like out of their minds with worry, they just hadn't heard and there was no way to kind of figure out where she yeah, was. Where could and she they be? would write yeah and they would write to embassies and things like that, but there was only so much that they could do because there was basically no way to trace them. Yeah. So that was the first victim. Um, next were probably the most famous Dutch students who were called Henk and Cornelia. They were 29 and 25. Um, they were a couple. Um, and they met Charles and Monique in Hong Kong. And they were invited to come and stay with them in um Bangkok where they lived so they were just thinking this is what an amazing stroke of luck like we've met these rich friends they've invited us to this like beautiful place um and they're poisoned and they well yeah no they're poisoned and there's a scene in this in the tv series where they're like lying on the bed like basically dying and they realize like the medicine is not good for them and the guy's like don't take it to his 
girlfriend and then they just start like beating them and then they she's like trying to crawl away out this car and they are taken to the side of the road and burnt alive oh yeah like they were still alive when they were burnt yeah it was very very gruesome very horrendous so at this point Um, you've gone from um you know crime motivated for financial gain at this point what what do you think is it just is that where it turns to like okay you're actually just doing this because you're a bit sick I think so like I think he almost managed to conceal the darkest part of himself until now and I don't know what triggered it or whether it was just like he was very very egocentric self-centered and basically never believed in morality and always played the victim so he Mm. for example when Monique was like questioning being like what what have you done with those two people he was just like well we would have been like we were trying to help them they didn't want to be helped they didn't want to be saved um so they've basically got what's coming to them like I just I did what I had to do basically with his narrative this whole time um and it's I think he was convinced in that himself like he's never ever ever expressed any remorse for what he did which is really quite disturbing yeah Hmm. um and unfortunately they weren't the only ones um there was a man named let me find it got you okay sorry (laughs) okay um so their next victim was this man named Vitaly Hakim he was Turkish I believe and he was again traveling around um, having fun, made friends with Charles, came to one of his big pool parties at the apartment, was seen dancing with Monique and kind of flirting with her, but I think was just like having a good time. Um, and before you know it, he's drugged and killed as well. Mm. So he's dead. And then, this is so sad, his girlfriend comes out to try and find him. She was called Charmaine. She was French as well. And they had a child together. But she comes out trying to like find find out what's happened to him. Um, and he's left a note at the hostel to say this is where I'm going. So she goes to this apartment. And before she can like raise any alarm, she's also drugged and burnt alive. Or she was maybe I think she was strangled so hard her neck snapped and then she was burnt. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, very gruesome. Brutal. And this is all this is all like within weeks of it, of each other. Like it's not spread out. Wow. And in the meantime, so they then use the two Dutch, the two dead Dutch people's passport, as in Charles and Monique, to go um to Nepal, I believe. Yeah, they go to Nepal using this fake ID. Right. And basically, then that that a like lets them out of the country and B shows like if anyone was to ever look it would look like they had left the country so they hadn't like stayed in Thailand so there was no suspicion right. on any suspects in Thailand Got so you. it was very clever the way that he planned these things um, mm. and they just basically continued not everybody that they murdered that they mugged from they murdered but they did continue this killing spree but remember Monique's never actually the one involved in the killing it's always Charles and AJ right when they're in Nepal um they murder a man named Laurent Callier and Connie Bronzique um a couple again 
who they promised to drive up to see this monument and they just are in the car they stop for a drink they're poisoned they collapse on the ground and then their necks are slit with a machete and they're burned and then they just drive away and like see the thing is right having done like enough episodes on serial killers and killers and just Mm -hmm. like watching a shit ton of documentaries right and Mm -hmm. just being obsessed with true crime I feel like Mm -hmm. see if he'd stuck to the method of like I'm gonna poison them and then burn them alive right as gruesome as that is which it definitely is you could you can always argue okay well do you know what he's figured out a way to do it so he's just sticking to his guns because like you know, mm-hmm. it's so stressful trying to, I would know from experience, but it's stressful <laughs> trying to figure out how to go about this if you're going to keep doing it. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's going from, you could almost argue it's going from one gruesome method to even more and more and more. That yeah. indicates that it's like, it's like a desire thing. It's not just like method, you know, he's almost trying to outdo himself and okay, what can give me even more of a, a rush than the last thing? Mm-hmm. That's mad. Mm-hmm. I know, and it doesn't seem to have any, the only kind of connecting factor between all the victims is that they were travellers, because he basically had this like innate hatred against Western, um, he said this, not me, but hippies. Um, He basically thought that they were just like imperialist wankers that were (laughs) super, super rich and privileged and um, like exploiting the global south when okay. they were like on this like trail that they would then just go home to be fair he made some like, points girl <laughs> if you'd if you'd expressed your message in a different way we would have listened but maybe not this way like you could go to a protest i don't know <laughs> <laughs> write an article um, i don't know <laughs> i know so it's almost like that's how he justified it to himself was that like yeah these people were evil and corrupt and he was doing the world a favor by getting rid of them okay although obviously that's really not true um so he kills these two people in nepal and then just walks straight back into thailand um the bodies are discovered but they are like they can't even be identified for ages and then they're ma- they're misidentified and oh. it's just like and it was all just for a ruby that they had they had this expensive ruby that they were going to pawn off to have more money to travel and he's stolen it Fuck's sake. um so there's that um and there's other people he kills he kills an israeli scholar um simply just to get his his passport um and there's another two men that he kills just like to get money um they're unnamed um and then he go back to bangkok and they're all just like in the apartment doing whatever they did on a day-to-day basis and they're detained by the police and interrogated in connection with these murders of the two Dutch um, ah. couple, if you remember. Yeah. Because, and this is like what a lot of the series focuses on, but there is this Dutch diplomat named Herman Nippenberg and his wife, Angela, who spoke loads and loads of different languages. They were investigating the murders of the two Dutch young couple. Um but it wasn't really their role and he was kind of like vilified for doing this because he's a diplomat, he wasn't in the police, but it's because the police basically were so corrupt and underfunded and just like didn't really give a fuck and they were like, it's not our problem, it's not one of our local people, like it's up to the foreign embassy to sort it out. But okay. then 
the foreign embassy were like, well, there's nothing we can do. So basically, this guy Nippenberg took it upon himself to, to try and solve the crimes, even though it was like not, it wasn't actually his job role. And he got in quite a lot of trouble for doing it. But they were working with Charles's neighbour, who if you remember I was talking about her earlier. She's the one that helped Dominique escape. Okay, yeah. So she lived in the apartment block. Basically, she was just Charles's neighbour. They used to be friends for ages until Dominique started confiding in her all these like fucked up things that were happening. Okay. So she helps him escape and then goes to the embassy to voice concern. Nippenberg and her yes. join up and they're like trying to gather evidence so she's like going around the apartment taking photos and stuff which is so dangerous for her because if charles had realized she'd be dead like straight away so yeah but basically he his work and nadine she was called her work helped them compile a case and evidence against Charles and Monique and AJ um, and he wouldn't really have ever been arrested without it so that's good but on this occasion that he's interrogated by the police they were released because the authorities feared that negative publicity accompanying a serial killer would harm the country's tourist industry so they just let him walk free. That happens in so many cases of like it's all about the tourism. Really I like Mm -hmm. was really surprised about that. Yeah. Um, So they all just walk out and they realize that they're in under quite a lot of like police investigation so they flee again this is 1976 right so this is six years of him committing crime yeah like real crime um they go back to india and at this point i think he's killed a few more people on the way i'm not 100 percent sure it's not really documented because a lot of it's classified information but right um Basically, he is finally like caught when he tries to trick a group of French postgrad students who are just traveling around. He pretends to be um, their tour guide. He then mm. drugs them by giving them his poisoned pills, which he told them was anti-dysentery medication. As per, like he's pretty um, set in his ways by now. Yeah, but they take. I think they don't take effect quick enough and the students begin to realize what they've done because some of them are falling unconscious and some of them haven't been affected yet Ah. so they overpower him and call the police and he's captured so he's finally standing for trial in india right because Mm -hmm. that's where he but he's only getting trials for this specific case there's no evidence around anything else so he gets 12 years okay for trying to kill attempted murder you may wonder what happens to monique well she's found guilty of drugging the french students as well but was later paroled and returned to canada um, where she developed ovarian cancer and died um, in 1984 so she was only 38 and on her deathbed she swore allegiance to charles and was reportedly like still loyal her whole life yeah even though Come he was on, like girl I think he was like horrendously abusive towards her and I think she was just like completely completely in love with him. Yeah. Um, a shame. I know. Very like really a sad like I do I think as well because I've seen the series like it makes you feel really sorry for her even though she was a criminal like she did she was completely aware of what she was doing. I think but so. it almost poses that question of like was she guilty 
or was she just I think like a slave? You can you can be guilty of the crimes that you've committed, but also be a victim of him at the same time. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like it doesn't excuse interesting. your crimes. It's just I think both no. can exist, you know. And I think you basically I, I don't know, like you feel really empathetic towards her, but she knew fine well what he yeah, was doing. She did. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so he does his 12 years in Indian prison, but he gets so many, um, what's the word, like, um, privileges. He has his own cell. He loves his life, basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he um, knew that, so he was a wanted man in Thailand, right? He's got a death sentence because in Thailand they still have the death sentence so he and that was um that was gonna be that was for 20 years they'd set that he's a wanted man right so he if he got out of prison um before the 20 years was up he'd be extradited to Thailand and then killed so he basically escaped from prison purely to be sentenced to another 10 years of prison in India so that he would escape the the death sentence right and that's what he did. So he basically managed to escape the being extradited to Thailand. So when he finishes his 20-year sentence in India, he goes back to Paris and is like a free man. Um, he enjoys like the life of a celebrity, um, is interviewed by like loads of magazines and stuff like that. He's really rich. He is like really sought after by men and women who want to know like a serial killer. Um, and it's it's basically argued that he's like this is I when I was reading an article it said that he didn't commit his murders out of uncontrollable deep seated violent impulses, which many serial killers experience. It was a, perceived as a as a byproduct of his lifestyle. But I don't think that's so, I don't really agree with that. Like also a byproduct of what lifestyle then? So like as in to basically the muggings, like he had to kill them. Yeah, but, but he didn't have to like, sever their throats. He also didn't have yeah. to burn them alive. Like, no. I know. No, I know. girl. So that's why I included that, because I wanted to... I knew you'd say this. I, like, I, really, I know, I don't, I don't think so. But Lucy, guess what? What? The story is not over yet. <laughs> oh! Um. So he gets out of prison, right? He's living in Paris. In 2003... He goes to Kathmandu, which is where is that? Do you know? No. <laughs> I'm just thinking I've of it. Geography lesson. <laughs> it's in Nepal. Now, why is Nepal significant? Well, he was in Nepal before. And mm-hmm. he killed someone in Nepal, did he not? Mm-hmm. He did. So he goes there apparently to gamble. And he apparently sits in the same casino every night, even though he knows fine well he's still like a super wanted criminal there. And um, many dumb. think, yeah, but many think it was like part of his psychopathy, like just to flaunt his perceived invincibility and like mm-hmm. nobody's ever going to catch me. Um, he was, however, captured by the police <laughs> and arrested for the double murder case. Um, from 1975 of the two American couple ah. um, and is sent, was sentenced to life and remains there to this day. Get it up, yeah. So finally he was um, 
arrested and captured. But apparently, he the remember I was saying the um, evidence from Nippenberg, the Dutch diplomat. That's a lot. Was a lot of the reason why he was arrested in Kathmandu yeah. in Nepal because they had some, otherwise there was yeah there was no other evidence but there was like these photographs and stuff. So yeah. Oh fuck. Wow. My death. There you go. What a <laughs> that story was... of um. That was great. That was so, so, so interesting. I didn't know. Like, yeah. I'm glad I, I'm really glad I went into it knowing nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But that was, oh my God, what a mental story. I was going to be really fucking annoyed if you like finished it when he got back to Paris and was like a celeb. I was going to be like, no. I know, I know. But I think, I think it's just a really interesting story because I think this wouldn't happen now because there's so much, like you couldn't just freely walk between countries and kill people because of like CCTV and like technology and facial recognition. Like you can't just pose as somebody else. And that was such a big part of like how he managed to commit so many crimes. Um, And I think he would have been caught a lot quicker. So it's almost like it's interesting insight into like what life was like and how difficult it would have been to catch a criminal like that back in the day. Yeah. And how easy it would have been as a criminal to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is, like, You're right. It's really fascinating. So, It is fascinating. And I think it's very yeah. like, it's, it makes you think about as well. And it's, this absolutely happens now um, to different minorities and whatever. And I'm not saying that white people are a minority. I'm saying it happens to minorities now. But the example in this case mm-hmm. of like, the amount of tourists and like random um like diff- people from different countries that they die and like nobody gives a fuck like it still happens yeah, now, obviously but like you know yeah. a great example is that a woman um in that flat in Glasgow that was only like what last year or something um yeah do you remember that she died in her flat in Glasgow and she was she hadn't she wasn't found for days and like then her really? baby her baby was like malnourished and just like lying there and was very close to dying itself but anyway my point is of like that's an insight as well to like the amount of like amount of people that go missing and die and are murdered abroad and just like the government don't give a fuck yeah I think it's that like end of the day whose responsibility is it because if they're not a national citizen then it's like but then who in America is going to be in Bangkok like able to commit like investigate a murder case that you don't even know if it's murder or not like I know exactly and like there's no clues so yeah it's really fascinating but I wanted to ask you like um because here's a quote about like him as as what he what his defense he would portray himself as a victim of western imperialism a dysfunctional childhood racism and institutionalism um, apparently in one interview he would lapse he would be really philosophical and lapse into philosophical musings then make a blackly mordant joke he was narcissistic amusing teasing and it had to be said a, a psychopath now do you think that his self-obsession and arrogance and nature of himself is that like inherent and innate to him or was it a byproduct of his life experience I think you can see a combination of both in loads of different serial killers and he's probably example of that so like Mm -hmm. was he born with narcissistic like personality disorder probably was he born with 
psychopathic tendencies yeah most likely but also what it does to somebody regardless of having those I think what I'm trying to say is like these things can very much exist but they just get expressed differently to different people right and I think there it would be so lazy to pretend that that didn't play a part like he inherently fucking hates western tourists and like yeah. you know there's a there's a reason there's a reason it's he hasn't just picked a group of people at random um mm-hmm. you know he's obviously experienced firsthand racism and what it's like to be especially living in France like as yeah. somebody from um Saigon from Ho Chi Minh you know you are going to be mm-hmm. especially in the fucking 70s or 60s or whatever you are going yeah. to be absolutely targeted for the way you look mm-hmm. and I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think it takes away I don't think it absolves his guilt by saying that that plays a part into it but I think it's probably mm. a combination of both yeah I agree with you I think it's it's so um fascinating because I'm always like how close are people like we're probably a lot more we inclusive like humanity the human race are a lot closer to snapping into psychopathic tendencies than we probably think like I wonder how like I don't know like how maybe you just need to have that little bit extra arrogance lack of emotion self-obsession like, I don't Spicy know it's, I just think it's an interesting, <laughs> it's yeah, an interesting I... but also disturbing thought to be like how close are we as like quote-unquote normal people to psychopaths yeah, I know. Are I know. That can I think, commit that kind of crime. I think as well, an important thing of like, I always thought about this with like loads of serial killers, especially. So take for example Ed Kemp. Ed Kemper, he mm-hmm. fucking hated his mum. Like, do you know what? Most serial killers fucking hate their mum, so then they murder women, right? But for example, Ed yeah. Kemp. Ed Kemper, he absolutely hated his mum, and his mum abused him, and um said like emotionally and physically abused him right as a child Mm. and I think it's it's one thing understanding that okay right so he's a fucking psycho he hated his mom so that's why he kills women but like to not be in that situation I'm not saying I would do the same Gillian I'm sorry I wouldn't do this to you but (laughs) like to pretend that we would have any understanding what it's like to be in that situation is ridiculous and I think it's Mm -hmm. I just think pushing it so far, I think a lot of people push serial killers and their motives like to this other really, really strange motive because it's easier to deal with it. Like it's scarier and it's harder to process that it actually might be something that we can kind of understand. I think that's why like, Mm. you know, you'll find a lot of American documentaries and like a lot of American serial killers the people who talk about it are like do you know what I hate is I fucking hate watching a documentary about a serial killer and some 60 year old American woman cuts to her and she's like I knew that he was evil he had evil in his no you didn't no you didn't like I know I hate that but I think I think you're quite right like we are closer yeah Mm -hmm. and like that um serial killer Dez you know the one the Scottish guy that killed people in London like he was a civil servant he was a sociable guy like he had everybody fooled so yeah yeah I just think it's so interesting like what does it take like how much 
why do some people do it and some people don't like obviously there's trauma and and bad things happen and that's a a reason but there must be something else because yeah bad things happen. I think you are become psychopaths you know they think it's like that have you read that book um it's over there what's it it's called the psychopath test is that what it's called have you read that no 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 but um I've heard of it yeah it's class it's really really good um but yeah it's basically about how like you know there's always that um chat of like so it's something like 10 percent or 20 percent of the richest ceos of the world like pass the test of being like yeah. tested for being a psychopath and i think you yeah, know I've read we all we know now that like psychopathy is 100 percent a mental illness and like you know there is yeah and in every serial killer that you find, every serial killer that is... It's like, have you ever seen Mindhunter? The TV yeah. show? Yeah, like yeah. the whole building of that department is starting to understand the mindset behind serial uh-huh. killer. I think there is, it is trauma-based a lot of time, but I think you have to have mm-hmm. some sort of chemical imbalance in your head to go through with it, I think. Yeah. Def- yeah. You, yeah, you definitely have to. Um, yeah. But to I be fair, really well. I think if I had left my dishes undone in our flat last year one more time, I think you could have been up there. That's why I was saying, how close are we all to snapping? Because <laughs> let you me know. tell you, a millimetre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. One more, one more fucking mouldy mug. Right, okay, okay, okay. It was a joke. It was a fun time. We don't need to actually bring it, like, personal. Here. It wasn't a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, that was okay. class. Thank you so much for that. That was a really, really good no story. No worries. Yeah. Definitely. I also, would recommend go and watch it now because yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's really good as well. Done. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to watch it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm going to see see how much it like see from what you've told me how much it is dramatized. It'll be quite interesting to see the way they kind mm-hmm. of portray it. Um, I've been watching. It's quite like, relationship based. Like it's quite is a, centered around him and his relationships which is so so interesting mm-hmm. well it's more of an insight <clears> to him, isn't it? Been wa- yeah definitely i've been watching i've never this is ridiculous for me because it seems right up my street which it is now that i've watched it but killing eve mm. oh my god have you not seen that i've literally not seen it until I'm, like oh it's so good isn't it unbelievable it's so so good yeah so I'm yeah maybe when done. Maybe when I finish that, I'll um, watch The Serpent. But thank you so much, Kika, for that. Um, no worries. As always, thank you if you guys have enjoyed this episode, please um, give it a share. If you have, we'd love it. A yeah. comment on our YouTube video, that would be wonderful too. Um, and of course, if you're in the in the market for wax melts, like I said earlier, we do have a discount <laughs> code with them. Um, all that will be on our social media and stuff. But yeah, tune in next week. I'll be taking the reins. I really like the setup that we did this time. With yeah, them. I think it works quite well. Over Zoom, it's hard to like co-write stuff. So that's true. So next week we'll see what I've got in store for Kika. Yeah, I'm and excited to, to find out. I know. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs>